Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things to All People podcast, a place where we seek to explore what it means to be on God's great mission to gather people of every tribe, language, people group, and nation, where we wrestle with the challenges of radical love and inclusion of all cultures into one family, and how to engage all realms of the world as a true kingdom alternative to the world. Let's get to it. are listening to season three of the all things to all people podcast with michael burns i am michael burns and this is a very special bonus episode where we have a very special guest marty solomon marty is the president and director of impact campus ministries as well as the host of bema discipleship podcast and he's going to be our guest today and I'm, i'm really excited to have him So Marty, welcome uh, to the All Things to All People podcast. Man, I'm really excited and honored to have you here today. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's, it's, you're one of those names I have just been excited to meet and talk to. Well, li- likewise, and it, it's been good to connect. I'll, I'll talk about that in, the, in a little bit, kind of how we got connected. But uh, first, let me say, and, and we were talking about this before we started recording here, that I'm a little disoriented looking at the screen uh, because your room looks a lot like my room in a way, and I see a lot of the same books on the on the shelves, and so it it messed me up when you first jumped out. I was like, "Wait, what is wrong with my camera?" Uh, but that's right. Yeah, we have we have similar bookshelves and similar books. It looks like, um, and I don't know about you. I'm the kind of person if I was in your house. I would immediately, at least for a few minutes, lose interest in talking to you, and I would sort of gravitate over and get lost in the books themselves. And I would just follow you over there because there's so few things that I would want to like actually talk about. So it would be great. It would be it'd be wonderful. You could get lost, and we could all just get lost together. It'd be wonderful. That would be that'd be a fun conversation, man. Absolutely. Well, let me let me do say this. I do I do want to say how we got connected and it really happened. So if I, I go back a little bit, it's it's kind of your name was one of those names I would hear as I was traveling and teaching. It seemed like after every other workshop, someone would come up and go, do you know Marty Solomon? And I would go, no, I, I don't. And for a while, I just thought this was like a really popular guy that everybody seemed to know. And then a few people would be like, no, he has this podcast uh, Bama, you know, podcast and I hadn't heard of it. So I think I even looked up on my phone one time because, so you got to know this about me. Don't take this personal. I tend to be, <laughs> I tend to be skeptical about everything. Right. So yep. I think the first search I did was what is wrong with Bama podcast and nothing came up and I was like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. Um, amen. And, and so, you know, I kept hearing about it. I was like, in the back of my mind, I have to, I have to look this up because I'm getting so asked about it so often. And then I think, uh, at the beginning of this year, a friend of mine sent me a link, uh, and you had reviewed crossing the line and I was like, wow, that's really cool. And so then we got connected, 
uh, and kind of messaged each other back and forth. And I watched a, a video on your page and really connected with it as far as teaching. And I was like, wow, I get where that guy's coming from. And I think we had a really nice conversation there. And, um, I invited you on the podcast and it took us a while to schedule it, um, uh, because of our schedules, but amen, here, here we are. But in the meantime, I figured, uh, I, I had a sabbatical from the middle of March through the end of June. And it occurred to me about a month in, I was like, if if I'm going to have him on my podcast, it would probably be good if I actually listened to Marty's podcast and and knew a little bit about it. So, I I went on, and I I started back towards the beginning and listened to a handful of episodes in Genesis, and then I kind of skipped ahead to a handful in Matthew, and and really enjoyed um, both of those. Um, but again, you know, I kind of, because I went in actually, if I want to back up just a step here, I, I went in skeptical and thinking like, oh, okay, so I know these dudes is going to tell me why we should all be Jewish and you know, this sort of thing. And my background's in kind of history. So I'm sensitive to anachronisms and so, you know, like this is the only way to read. And and as I listened to the podcast, I really didn't hear any of that. I, I heard someone who was very careful about how they handled things and humble and honest when it's like, well, this is speculation. And and we we don't know, but this seems like a pretty good uh, way to view it. And so uh, you, you not even all that slowly, you won me over. Um, uh, to a great deal of respect for your ministry. And um, uh, still, I've probably listened to maybe 25 or 30 episodes. So there's a lot more, you know, in there that I haven't listened to. But I feel like that's a pretty fair chunk to get a a gauge on someone. And I really uh, appreciated it. And so then I started listening to the more, some of the more recent ones, uh, including the series you just finished on The Chosen and uh, a guest you had, uh, Portia Childs. I, I thought that was a great episode, especially that's the, the topic that you had her on there is kind of the main thrust of my ministry. And so I, I really appreciated your humility there and, and just even having her on and letting, uh, you know, having her speak and share, I thought was great. Um, but I, I will mention one more thing before I jump in, because I don't want this whole episode to be me talking. I, it's about you. But you had this is pretty good. You're talking really positively about me. Just keep going. Just well, keep amen. Going. All right. Well, I, it's going to get even better because there was an episode, and I, I couldn't tell you the date. You would know better than I would. It was fairly recently, but it was called um, Isaac's Bad Eyes, or I should have looked it up, but something like that. That's right. And I was on my sabbatical listening to it. I'd gone for like a three or four hour walk and I was just praying and for a couple hours and I pulled that, that episode up and just kind of clicked on it. And I got to tell you, dude, that episode wrecked me. And I, I actually listened to it twice. And, um, you know, you talk in there a, a lot about spiritual trauma and how, you know, as parents, sometimes we're trying to do the best we can and, uh, you know, it doesn't always, it's not always registered that way from the child's standpoint. And I think some of the things, you know, myself that I, I went through growing up, but 
also being in ministry for years and doing things sincerely, like this is what I think God wants us to do. And then seeing it not go so well for my children in every aspect um, really hit home and resonated with me. And I appreciate uh, the way you handled that. I appreciate the way, you know, when it would, you'd be like, this, this is some speculation here, but reason to speculation. And I thought that was just a, a brilliant episode that um, I'm not a super emotional guy in, in that respect, but it really made me um, feel emotional and kind of teared up a little bit as I was walking. Yeah, uh, all of that, Michael, is unbelievably meaningful to hear. A, a coming from you and being the and B the way you articulated it would be things that I hope are becoming more and more true. That they, they are not things that would have been true of me ten or fifteen years ago. Um, and as I mature and as Jesus does His work in me, they're becoming more and more true. And that. Um, that's just really mean, really, really meaningful to hear. And and you pointed out two episodes that have been some of the roughest, uh, and so that means a lot to me as well. Um, but that one on on Isaac's bad eyes, that one's probably the most. Somebody asked me the other day at a Q and A, like, what's the most meaningful episode I've done? And for like, that's the one that has come from the deepest, most personally rooted. Like that one's even my most, which might have been what even came out and you picked up on is that came from I think the same place inside of me and uh oh man that was that's that I still look back on that one and and I had taught that I don't know I've taught that I've done that sermon maybe 15 20 times and it still comes out of this place that is whoo man there there's some there's some treasure in there that's good so Marty let me just switch gears here uh, for a moment, a little bit, and I want to talk about how we kind of connected and why you're on the show here and all of that. And and basically, you know, for myself and traveling around and teaching in a lot of churches, I started to notice this pattern. I would go places and I would get a lot of people come up to me and ask me afterwards, hey, do you know Marty Solomon? Do you know Bama Discipleship? Have you listened to the podcast? What do you think of it? <laughs> And a lot of those questions, and and for a while, I was like, no, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't know, haven't heard. And, you know, then after a while, I and I have to admit, I tend to be a little bit skeptical of things. And and so I, uh, my, my first thing was I kind of went on there and uh, on, the, on the internet and did a search like, what's wrong with Bama Discipleship, just to see if there was sort of a, a negative or a pushback or whatever. And I didn't really find anything at that time. And so I just kind of shelved it away and was like, I'll have to check it out uh, later. And, you know, and I kind of knew that you were uh, in the realm of Midrash and kind of a Jewish uh, cultural context approach. And, um, you know, I, I, again, kind of skeptical of that approach at times because I'm familiar with some of the guys who go down that road and they seem to really uh, get, very radical about certain things yep. or my background as a history teacher, you know, makes me sort of sensitive to anachronisms and, and, and that I, I, I've found is often a, a weakness of that approach. And so just kind of that in, in general and, but just in the back of my mind, I gotta, gotta figure out who this guy is and uh, hear him out a little bit and look into it. And so then uh, beginning of this year, uh, a friend, uh, I believe, sent me a, a link that said, hey, Marty Solomon reviewed your book. 
escaping the beast. And um, what do you, uh, you know, what do you think? And uh, I was like, wow, that's that's really cool. And I super appreciated that you uh, took the time to be aware of it, review it, read it, you know, all of that. And then they we got connected through that online and we kind of messaged back and forth. And then I went and I watched a couple of your videos on your Facebook page and I, I found them uh, to really connect with uh, some of the things you were talking about. We'll talk about that. I'll ask you about that uh, in, a, in a few minutes here. But uh, so then in that correspondence, I asked you to be on the podcast and it took a while to schedule that. Uh, based on my schedule and your schedule. And finally, here we are. But in the meantime, I went on sabbatical and I was listening. Uh, well, I figured while I was on sabbatical, it occurred to me a few weeks in, I was like, you know, if I've got Marty on the on my podcast, I should listen to his podcast and be a little familiar with it. And so I listened to um, a couple dozen episodes, a few from Genesis, a few from Matthew and and as I said, a few of uh, the more recent ones. And uh, w- what I actually found was not what I was expecting. Honestly, I I kind of went in with like, let me find out what's wrong with this. And what I found is I really enjoyed it. I found um, your humility uh, consistently uh, refreshing, and um, uh, I found a, a careful approach. You admit when you're speculating or you're applying things from maybe a later time period to the New Testament period and and why you're making kind of that leap or that projection into that time and and as a reasoned speculation and um, just in general your your graciousness with other points of view and and yet you know still uh, uh, you know, consistent and adamant about what you believe and and wanting to persuade people of that. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, and so, the you know, we made that connection over my book. And so at the beginning here, uh, I did ask you, and I wanted to give you a, a minute, um, if you, uh, you know, would be so kind as to mention anything about... Um, uh, that you didn't like or you don't want to push back on or that you like or found helpful um, from crossing the line. Um, oh, sorry. No, actually, again, I, I did it. I do that sometimes. Wrong wrong book. Uh, Escaping the Beast, if there's anything you want to mention about that. I'd appreciate it. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, that book, man, that. So, um probably the best way to go at this would be to say when I kind of went on my, whatever you want to call it, when the lights came on, when contextual hermeneutics, when I got to go to Israel and Turkey, like right in the middle of that, um, I'm trying to make sense out of, I'm going to, I'm going to say the world. And I don't mean like the culture at that point, this is going to be, you know, 2005, six, seven, somewhere in there. Um, and I'm trying to make sense of the Bible college training I received and the just, just all of it. Um, the people were called to be, and, and I'm learning about this historical contextual, uh, seeing the world through the Jewish context of the scriptures. And at the, somewhere about right at the same time, I read Jesus for president by Shane Claiborne and, um, just the work that he's, he was pulling from, uh, people like John Yoder and just, uh, and, 
just totally reoriented for me. Uh, the theology, the the theological, socio-political conversation for me. And I was just like, holy cow. And I, and right at the same time that I'm going to Israel and I'm encountering all the teaching about Hellenism and what happened in Second Temple Judaism and what Jesus is speaking into and what about issues of justice and like all the cards were getting reshuffled. And and uh, I, I think I came out of there with like this very, I mean, that that's where I got the language of empire for the for the most part. That's a big part of our podcast is this language of empire and shalom um, and juxtaposing those two things. And it just helped my spiritual consciousness like reorient itself. And um, and, and I think I had a, a worldview that was pretty pretty darn similar to what you you talked about in escaping the beast. Like, man, I'm not sure if Christians like I think we're called to something other than this two party system. I'm not sure that there's a side here that we necessarily get to take. Um, I was really I, I was really passionate about essentially not voting. Um. Uh, and I was holding that in a particular way, and uh, and I, I probably did that for six, seven, eight years, and then I started maybe five years ago. I I started going on this journey of learning about how much. I mean, I'm from rural Idaho, is where I grew up, and until a year ago, that's where I lived my whole life. Um, I, I did not live around diversity, and and I had some experiences when I started traveling that opened my eyes to all this stuff I was starting to hear about. Um, white privilege. Uh, that conversation, you know, I don't know, it wasn't starting by any stretch of the imagination, but maybe for me it was starting, or maybe it was starting to, this is pre-George Floyd landing in a, maybe a new level of just cultural presence. And, um, and I started going on that journey. And, uh, and I, I can remember at one point being confronted with what you talk about in the book. At the very end, you talk about James Becknell um, confronting you about maybe not voting is, and somebody basically made that exact quote to me. Uh, this woman I met in Georgia said, man, that's a really nice, <laughs> that's a really nice, uh, and I think she called it a privilege to, I think the word even caught my attention. And I said, wait, what, what, tell me, what? Tell me more. And uh, that challenged me, and it, cha- it it largely changed, especially as we went through, I mean, I don't know, whatever that last election cycle, not the last, the, the one before, this last four or five years, and the chaos that we were in, and me reconsidering all of that. And I, th- and I was like, no, I think I have to use my, I think I have to use my vote, I have to use my voice for some of these issues of injustice and some of these people who need my, and so that became kind of this. Um, and then when I read your book, I think it was like, I circled back around again and I didn't, un- I, I think that's part of, it's not a critique. That's my wrestling match as I can. Cause I think I, my heart and my understanding and my head, my heart and my head, both are kind of squarely planted in what you're talking about in Escaping the Beast. And those first two parts, I am just like fist pumping the whole way. And that there's this other thing that I think I've we encountered in this last five to six years that was like, and yet I wonder if there is a place and a time, a time and a place where we do need to reconsider. And you say that in the book. You really do. You talk about that with your conversation with James. You talk about it even whenever you, whenever you talk about the issue of voting or not voting. And you say, I don't, I think you always say, I'm not, I don't think it's immoral for a Christian to vote. 
you always had these beautiful like you you had a well-rounded approach but reading it like brought me back to this place that i i kind of started in um and and i really really liked that and I, i don't even know if i've been able to articulate uh I don't know. It was just like reading your book was like, yes, actually, yes. I, I still, there's still a lot there that I completely firmly agree with. And I believe, and you were every chapter. I love the way your mind works. Cause every chapter you would outline very clear, like first, second, third, fourth, like you love to list things, which was so great for my brain. I was like, Oh yeah, here's the six things we're going to do. Boom, 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 boom. Here's seven things to consider. Here's five things about the, and and you were you were you were clearly articulating something that uh, yes I I just wanted to say yes to and so I'm still it's it's been super helpful and and I'm still having those conversations with some of those new friends that I can trust and I can go back to and I can say okay what about this um, what about my white privilege in this what about kingdom what about what what what's the relationship with all these things. And uh, so, yeah, I, I would I would largely just say thank you uh, for the way you package that. Well, I, I super appreciate that, and uh, I, I'll say you, you're spot on in the fact of identifying as I I do kind of appreciate order, and uh, I I love that. I've talked on this podcast kind of jokingly that uh, you know the. The way my books are on the shelf is very important to me. I can't, it just <laughs> drives me nuts if people push, you know, some of the books back at, at different lengths. And so uh, that probably does come out in my writing of, you know, let me clarify this. And uh, maybe it's because I'm not all that smart and I, I need to break it down for myself and say, okay, here's the five things or the seven things. And uh, I I appreciate that. Let, let me ask you this though, is... What is the connection you think? So, you know, one of the things I try to do in that book is say, you know, who are we as kingdom people? How do we engage in the world? And and then there's a ministry like yours, which is, you know, focused so beautifully, I think, on on being, you know, people of the text and, and that sort of thing. And do you think there, what is the connection there where a ministry like yours helps us better engage in the world in a, in a sense. Oh, um, there's probably a better way I should answer this. I'm going to immediately give you the answer. I love to just kind of roll off the Please. tip of my tongue, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of the things that I hope we do is de. And this is, I use this, listen, I use this word long before it was cool. We were talking about deconstruction back in the emerging church. I'm that old. So, all right, you know, yeah, yeah. we were doing the emerging church thing back in Bible college. So deconstruction, like this new thing that everybody's talking about, um, I'm using it in the old way. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but we're, we are trying to deconstruct bad readings of the Bible because so much of this stuff that we are talking about is propped up through... Um, the way that we have used or even weaponized systematic theology to justify, we have a social political order that comes first, propped up and justified by our reading of the Bible. Um, and and if and for me, growing up, very very fundamentalist, I know I know how that worldview works. I I, I even empathize, I sympathize with how that worldview. I, I I can I get that. I have the same passion for the place of Scripture. Yeah, and so. If we can somehow call into question, like, is that what that verse means? Like we say we believe the Bible, 
let's double down on the Bible. Um, cause, cause we kind of use the Bible as our proof text. And then we get mad at all the liberals who like, don't believe in the Bible. Okay. Let's double down on the Bible. Let's go the other direction and ask ourselves, is that really what a Jewish rabbi wrote to his Jewish? Is that really what that, what Jesus is teaching his Havarah? Is that really what Paul's saying to the church in let's, let's go deeper on that. Because if we can do that, well, then it opens us up to reconsider. We have a lot of self-righteous justification for uh, an idolatry that mm. I think we largely hold. I'm just going to call it that. I think it's, I think we have a, a socio-political idolatry yeah. that we have a hard time getting rid of. And, and then we use the Bible to justify and prop that up. And, and that's the thing I want to chip away because if we can chip away, then we either have to come, in my mind, we either have to come face to face with our idolatry and call it what it is and embrace it. Like, I feel like Elijah talking to the people of Israel on Mount Carmel, like, that's really, I didn't mean that the way that came out. I'm not trying to associate myself with Elijah. But I feel like when he says, how long will you waver? And the Hebrew there is gyrate between two opinions. Like, pick. Like, listen, if you want your political imperial kingdom, pick it. But if you want God's kingdom, pick it. But let's quit doing this thing where I'm using the God thing to prop up the other thing. Um, so I think that's, that's where my passion's always been. And, and if I can keep it in that lane, it helps. Um, I, I just want to be able to do that humbly. Uh, I wouldn't have 15 years ago. I, I hope I'm doing that more now. If I can just stay in that lane, well, then the rest of us the Holy Spirit through us can have the rest of the conversation. Mm. But rather than me, like tie all the loose ends together and decide what it looks like and say yes and no, like I, I, I would rather just chip away at this other thing and then go, okay, so now if that's true, now what, what do we do now? Yeah. Um, that's the part that I've always wanted to play. And that's simply because uh, that's not what everybody should do. That's what I should do because of my narcissistic, arrogant tendencies. And I wanted to go set up camp in a much more healthy place and use my gifts and try to keep myself from doing anything more than that. Yeah, I really appreciate that answer. So you would not label yourself in the camp of Christian nationalist at this point, then would would you not identify with that particular group? <laughs> I would not. And I'm going to say that as straight faced as I possibly can. I, I would not. No. Yeah. No, you know, I, I really appreciate again, um, uh, your ministry and others like it, because, you know, that that's one of the things I encourage people to do is, look, you don't necessarily have to come down in the same position that I am in all these areas, but let it be rooted in biblical truth, at least, you, you know, be really yes. going after, like, what are your thoughts and engagement in politics and empire and all right. that? Is it, is it, have you taken the time to really examine those thoughts? And so I Correct. think, I think your ministry uh, feeds into that and helps in a good way, helps, you know, really examine those things and, and question. And I'm all about going uh, back to the text. And so let me, um, let me use that as a segue into your ministry. Um, you are, as I mentioned in the uh, introduction, you're the president director of Impact Campus Ministries and the host of Bema, the Discipleship Podcast, uh, and you travel around and teach. So just uh, you know, fill us in on your ministry a little bit. Give give a brief synopsis of it, if you will. Yeah, my giftedness and passion has always been uh, teaching and leadership, um, and. So I've always 
built to ministry, even from my younger days around, uh, I don't, and sometimes it wasn't even intentionally. It was just, um, that's what was affirmed in me. I think that's what's true about me. So I always kind of built a ministry kind of around that approach and that presence. Cause anything other than that would have been a weird, um, not me version of me, uh, a fake version of me. So that's always kind of been the way that I've approached ministry. And whenever I've done that and sank more and more into that role, it's just been, I don't know if I want to call it like blessed, anointed, like whatever word you want to use, like God, like God's been like, yes, that's what I made you and designed you to do. Um, and the other piece of that is leadership. And I wasn't ready to lead for a long time uh, until more recently, six, seven years ago. I don't think I, I don't think God wasted any time. I think all those years prior to me being in a position of leadership, every last second, and maybe even, maybe even God was a little early. Uh, working out of me some immaturity and things I needed to really learn. Um, but when I was ready, uh, I feel like um, I stepped into this role of leadership for this organization. And um, it still comes from a teaching place. That teacher in me is always going to be uh, kind of what I do. So yeah, our we, we have a campus ministry planting organization. Um, that, that organization was planted by Dean Troon, who was very, very passionate about prayer back in the mid-90s. Mm. And, uh, yeah, the whole ministry was, it, if you know Marty and how Marty feels about the text, just know that Dean who founded impact felt that same way about prayer. Um, and that's what he started. He started this very prayer centric prayer based ministry a long time ago. Um, the people that he raised up were some of my mentors. And so my mentors were very contemplative which was beautiful because I was very cerebral. I was very academic. I was very nerdy. I was very intellectual. Like that's how I was going to approach life. And my mentors were all, Hey, how about you? Can you learn how to Sabbath? Can you learn how to slow down? Can you learn how to pray? Can you learn how to be quiet? Can you learn how to fast? Like that was their challenge to me. Mm. And it always served as this beautiful one, two punch in my life of, I had all this, like, I want to pursue knowledge but I also was being mentored almost completely in, but do you know Jesus? And those two hands of the faith for me were uh, just so wonderful. And so um, I've always had that, that part of my life. Like that's the only thing I was ever mentored and discipled in was more contemplative approach to faith. And then I studied for the other part and that's who impact is. So that's like, my job is to bring this plant campus ministries that know how to pursue Jesus. Now, I'm going to do that through the text. Other staff are going to do that through prayer. But no matter what it looks like, it's going to look like creating a space for God. Uh, we're going to know how to create a space for God. God's, God's going to show up and bear fruit, be, fruit in us because we do that. And uh, that's our definition of success. And so my job is to simply to teach about that, to... To, to hold the line on that for our organization, to cast that vision, to figure out what the next ground is that God's calling us to take. And, uh, and that's what I do. And the podcast was really, it was my flavor of campus ministry before I ever had that job. I was doing campus ministry in Northern Idaho and, and uh, Eastern Washington. And, um, and I had a little class and, and then I got this job and I couldn't be at class all the time because I was traveling. So I made a podcast. I wasn't trying to make a podcast. I just made a podcast so that my students could listen when I was gone. And then it, you know, got a little bigger and then it got a little bigger and it got a little bigger. And then somebody in the ICOC got a hold of it and then it exploded. Um, and we've just been trying to steward 
that ever since. And so it has, it's impacted my job and it's impacted how I use my energies and where, and my board of directors aren't frustrated by that. In fact, if anything, they, they have called me out when I was trying to like keep it over in a corner. I was like, oh, I don't, I'm not trying to build a podcast empire. I'm just going to like, um, I'm going to put this over there. And, and my board of directors was like, that's what God's doing. Like kind of, kind yeah, of like, I... how dare you, how dare you stuff that in a corner? You, you need to figure, you need to ask, you need to steward that better. And so that's where we've been at and God continues. And all, all we want to do is just steward it well. And if God wants to use it and bless it, so be it. We just want to hold it well. So that's my job. That's amazing. So would you, let me ask a personal question. Would you, um, do you consider yourself more of an introvert bent? Um, yes, I, I would consider myself more than the test says I am. Um, any test I take always gives me slightly balanced, but leaning towards introversion. Okay. I, I would say I'm very introverted, but I don't know if we just, if we trust the paperwork, I, I have a little more extrovert than I want to admit, but yeah, yes. The answer to that is yes, I am. Okay. I, I, I ask because it, it seems to me like a lot of a lot of guys that are called to be teachers and really love the the text and the history and stuff tend to have uh, more of that introversion bent and that ability to say, you know what, I'll be in the room alone with my books for a while. And, uh, you know, e even like during the COVID period last year when there was a big lockdown and everybody else was going crazy, uh, a lot of us introverts that, that love the text and love to teach were like, we've been training our whole lives for this. This is, this is, this not is our bad. moment. Yeah. This is yeah. not bad at all. And, uh, and I got a microphone here. I can talk into it and kind of mm -hmm. scratch that itch to teach and do it yep. without people around me. This is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, I always had to remind myself, uh, well, just being in relationship was really healthy for me because it reminded me that it was not everybody else's experience, but I could totally relate to what you're sharing. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. I, I don't know if you'll even be able to narrow this down to one thing or uh, answer this question. If it's a dumb question, Marty, then please let me know. But w what's the one thing that you most hope to accomplish with your your Bama ministry, with your podcast? If you say, man, at the end of the day, if I could get this one thing accomplished with this, I, I would feel really grateful to God. Um, it's not a dumb question. It's a really good question. Um, man, uh, I'll, I will give, I'll answer that question with a qualifier. I'll give you one qualified, qualified answer. Okay. Um, I, it would, that people would fall in love with the Bible. Um, like that's why we're deconstructing the bad readings of the Bible. That's why we're trying to like, I want people to like, we, we have done something to the text over the last 1500 years that has robbed it of its whatever it had in the, in the early church and, and before that. Um, and, and, and that's probably connected to how I see my identity as a Jewish follower of Jesus, that what God has done through um, our people is to, we are the keepers of Torah and our job should be to make it just like that. We would ever make the Bible boring is just, 
I, 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 I can't even understand a world where the Bible is so amazing. Now, my qualifier is that only matters if it's leading us, like if the Bible is that, like prayer. If it's the space, if it's the avenue that's connecting us to God. Like, I don't just want to fall in love with the Bible for the Bible's sake, because right. you you search the scriptures, you know, you spend your whole life searching the scriptures, and, and yet you miss Jesus, is what Jesus told the Pharisees. Like, we're not trying to worship the Bible. The Bible is is the word of the one that we want to fall in love with. And yet it's it's the and there are lots of ways to fall in love with that, with that God. Lots of ways. But the Bible is one of them, and it's the one that I feel like we've been tasked with with the Baymont ministry. Like that's that's the thing that we've been called to steward. I, I'm gonna say that word a lot because it's the word that and it's, it's selfish. That's the word I keep in front of me because I want to remind myself. I am not the owner. I am simply a steward. I need to constantly discern how I'm supposed to be stewarding this thing. So, yeah, that would be the one thing. The one thing is that that we would, I don't know. It seems like there's two options. Groups that are just claiming that they're the sole proprietors of the Bible and then groups that are like, ah, I mean, the Bible, is it, is it really even all that important anymore? Um, and even in the people that I love to follow, like the thinkers that I, I, I gravitate towards and shape my thinking, it's very kind of sexy in their group to be like, well, Jesus is the point, not the Bible. And I'm like, oh, man, that feels so dangerous to me. Like, yes, but this Jesus I know in and through my Bible, this Jesus was supposed to be the Bible incarnate. I'm not sure we can separate those two ideas so right. i'm just passionate about the text and and uh and how and, and just trying to i don't know there, there's something probably michael and me that's connected to injustice i see the way we've weaponized the bible and it makes me angry yeah um and, and hopefully like a a, a righteous anger and an indignant like nope w somebody has to get to work fixing that because it's not okay that somebody i was just reading today roland worth uh, his commentary on Revelation, and he was talking about the letter to Thyatira, and and in Revelation two, you tolerate that woman Jezebel, <laughs> and he says we don't even know if they were even doing like engaging in any of the idolatry, but they were letting this false teacher go unaddressed, and I was like, oh, because uh, that's like there are some really bad readings and bad abuses of the scripture, I don't want to let that go unaddressed. I'm also not going to like create some stupid provocative confrontation, but I am going to do my part to spread the word <laughs> that the Bible, the Bible is not maybe what you've been told it is. And, and you can go find out for yourself. I'm not, I'm not the sole proprietor of it either. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to add one voice. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a voice in the ring and say, ah, I don't think it is that. I think it's something else. Well, I'll tell you, that is uh, the answer I was hoping you would give. To be honest, well, and then yes. I kind of suspected you would. Um, it, it's funny because I, you know, in recounting earlier, how many people asked me about you after uh, we kind of, you know, connected and I became familiar with your ministry. I've had people continue to ask me, and I've described it this way. I've said, you know, I, I'm coming more and more to the conclusion. I think even more so after we talked today, uh, before we recorded, and here uh, uh, in the episode 
is I said, you know, it, it seems like Marty and I, if we were in the same place and we were going to travel to somewhere in China, we would go opposite ways around the globe, but we'd wind up in the same spot. Um, I love that. And, and it's just, you know, I think we have different giftings, different sort of ministry yeah. focuses, but at, at the fundamental core things, uh, I, I find us landing on the on the same spot uh, a lot, which is um encouraging and and fun and and makes it fun to listen um because you do have a different set of expertise and uh gifts and so i really enjoy your podcast and find a, a place where oh good he did all the work in that realm so i don't have to <laughs> i don't have to go yeah, down right. that road um yeah uh, so i appreciate that is there anything that surprised you over the years with the response to your ministry or the way that God has used it? What, what surprised you? Uh, well, the response has surprised me. Um, I don't know. When I was younger, I always, I was, I mean, I was a really arrogant punk when I was younger. Like <laughs> nobody knows the younger version of me. Like I was a jerk. Um, and I always thought that every idea I had was going to land me on the cover of Christianity today. <laughs> And then, and then I grew up and, and then I, I grew up spiritually some at least. And, and then I, then I was like, okay, that's stupid. Like, that's not what we're headed for. So now I'm like, man, how many, I can remember the day Brett and I changed our podcast host just so that we could like get better data points. Cause <laughs> we were like, we had this like weird sense. Like, I think more people are listening to this than we think. <laughs> and then we got data points and we were like, oh my goodness gracious, what's going on? Um, and, and so that surprised me. Um, and I want that to be, and I, I, I hope I never lose that sense of like, wow, bless God. Um, cause that's important for my personality type. Um, what else has surprised me? Um, I don't know if I've been surprised. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm such a pessimist, Michael. Don't ask me this question. <laughs> Um, I also am a pessimist, so I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to this answer. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not surprised by this at all, but I, I am, uh, uh, just, uh, when you start talking about some of the things that we're talking about here in escaping the beast, you want to start talking about justice issues. You, um, I mean, you mentioned that Porsche Childs episode that you enjoyed. I've never Michael in one week, I received more backlash um, than I've received in an entire career of ministry. And I've made a whole career out of saying provocative things. Wow. Um, and it was seven days and it's not even close. Like, I don't have to be like, well, is that accurate? No, it is. Like, there's no doubt about it. Like, and, and I, and on one hand, I'm not surprised at all. And another part of me was like, Oh, like, it just hurts. Like I wanted to be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so there's that. Uh, I don't know if I'm, am I surprised by how fickle we can be? Am I, and I'll put me, I mean, please lump me in this crowd too. It may not be the same things I see in everybody else, but trust me, I got my list, but how idolatrous we can be, how addicted to our comfort and our power and our position yeah. we are empire. Um, I don't know. I'm surprised. I guess I'm surprised on some level uh, at that. 
Uh, what else surprises me? I'm uh, well. This is weird. Here's a weird answer, but it came to mind, so I'm going right. to say it. I'm because because I'm sure your listeners are largely not completely, but they're maybe even more so than mine. But mine are this way, largely in the ICOC world. Yeah, would mm-hmm. that be a fair assumption? Yeah. Okay, so I'll make this statement. I have never been more impressed with a group of young people. The the young, the college age, um, and and just past college, that campus group floors me. I am unbelievably impressed with who they are, their initiative, their uh, I, don't, I don't even know how to articulate. I just I just keep showing up in their circles, yeah, listening to them going holy smokes like i'm not finding that in any of my other evangelical circles they left like gen z left a long time ago they all left the building um and yet in this circle they're still around and they're they're pumped like they want to go and um whatever we can we can add whatever commentary we want to to that but they that part of them and they're articulate and they have thought things through and they are organized <laughs> And that, that surprised me. It's been, it's been unbelievably beautiful. And, and, um, that honestly, that circles and they're, they're inspiring me today right now. Um, and that doesn't mean they're like, they're all perfect or whatever. It just means like they, I am, I, they are shaping me. God is, God is using them to, I, I am, I'm, I'm being changed because they're in the room and wow. I love that. So there you wow. go. No, I, I appreciate that. That's actually encouraging. I mean, I know what a incredible uh, group they are, e- even globally outside of the United States, uh, when you get into Africa and Asia, same thing. Um, but hearing you say that is encouraging because sometimes, you know, when you, when you, when you look at your own kids, you're like, yeah, they're all right. You know, they're, they're not, I like them, <laughs> but then someone else comes in like, oh man, your kid is amazing. And they're so respectful and this and that. And you're like, oh really? Okay. Maybe, maybe, uh, we're doing a better job as parents than we realized. And so I, I think it's a little like that. Um, no, I, I, I appreciate that. Um, I, I'd love to delve in more with some of the pushback you got on that portion Portia Child's episode, but maybe we'll save that for off air. But I'd I'd love to uh, look into that a little more and and chat about that. But let let me do ask you this: uh, one of the things that I do, especially as a teacher that has been called a lot into the areas of speaking on race and culture and politics and all those those issues that you know people don't get worked up about emotionally at all, um, and they tend to be very calm about. Uh, I, I find it uh, really important often to say, well, here's what I'm not saying. Here's, you know, as much as what I am saying, here's what I'm not saying. So if we do that on a larger scale with your ministry as a whole, are there any areas of warning where you've seen people maybe twist or mischaracterize or misinterpret or take too far or not far enough? Are there any warnings you kind of like to put out there with your ministry? Oh goodness. I, that's another thing that I've been surprised by at times is how people have used uh, a teaching or an episode or an idea. And I've been like, wait, they did what? <laughs> they, you, you heard what? Right. And they referenced my stuff. Um, so that, that happens all the time, but that's also the nature of, there's a, there's a fun quote um, by Zay Frank uh, that 
He says, you are, you are, you are neither, um, you are not responsible for the praise that you receive from others, nor from the way that people misinterpret what you do. Like you're only responsible for what you do and what you meant and how you, how you produce it. But you, you're not responsible for the either, either direction, positive or negative. Um, so I tried to hold that and, and realize that that's just the nature of being a creator as people are going to interpret and create your stuff, you know, take the stuff you create. Um, that's, that's okay. I'm not, I don't have, I don't think I harbor a ton of resentment for that. Um, uh, man, I don't, man, if I answer this question, uh, I think I'm just going to make people upset. Um, what am I not saying? I am not trying to prop up the same, <laughs> you see where this is headed? <laughs> um, we, uh, we love to take some of the stuff that we learn through the discussion at Bema and use it to like, um, yeah, anti-empire means anti-big government. Um, like, I, I don't want to get into specifics. I'll say it got real clear this last year and a half, like with masks and mm, like mm, I heard mm. people twist what I said, like all kinds of weird ways. Sure. Um, it is wacky. Uh, so, man. How could I, that's such a, that's a really good question. What am I not saying? What am I not saying? Um, I am not saying uh, that we are all on the right track and here's some cool Jewish facts to help you make your sermons more interesting. <laughs> How about that? That's right. not what I'm, uh, what, and I'm trying to graciously and gently say, We've been getting a whole lot of stuff wrong, and I want you to do the hard work of reconsidering. That is something I am saying. Um, so I, I, I think that I did a really bad job answering that question, Michael. I was really unprepared with that question. But there, that's the biggest um, – th this easily gets used as a journey to, like, learn all the cool Jewish stuff. Yeah. Um, but wait a minute. Like, where – that that the, the the stuff if i'm teaching that maybe i'm just a horrible teacher but if we're learning all this jewish stuff the point is realizing that jesus didn't say what we thought he said yeah the point is realizing that didn't land where we thought it landed the point is oh i can't embrace that thing that i was embracing in the name of jesus like we should be like confronted with oh gosh i should reconsider there should be a reconsidering of where we're at, what that means, how we engage that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it gets used a lot for like, now my sermons are more interesting because <laughs> I know about Shammai and Hillel and that's yeah. okay. That's cool. I guess not, not what we're doing. Well, that's, that's great. And I will, uh, affirm that you are not a horrible teacher. So don't, <laughs> don't worry about that. Um, no, you know, I, I think that's great. And I know for me, one of the things I always say is, look, if you if you listen to what I'm saying and you're challenged on, you know, oh, we've got to do this differently or my church has to do it differently, and you then go and respond in anger to your leaders or, you know, let's burn it all down and start yeah, over. that's true. You yep. have missed what I'm saying here. You have yep. missed the boat. That's not what I'm doing. So that, that's yep. one of the big warnings I always give is like, no, we're still family. We're still community. Yeah. We're still called to be this uh, place of forgiveness and patience and and learning and growing, yep. but not yep. let's just, uh, you misled us and you know now we're going to burn it down. And uh, you know I find one, one of my inspirations for that feeling is in Galatians, you have, you know, 
a pretty terrible situation going on evidently in the church in Galatians, some things that were being allowed to be taught. And then in chapter six at the end, Paul comes in with this very gracious sort of, you know, uh, don't throw your teachers under the bus and, you know, just throw them out because they allowed some of these things to happen. Uh, that's kind of the way I take what he's saying. Some of uh, Galatians six is let's, let's be a gracious community as well. And, and uh, I, I appreciate your, your ministry always has that tone, I think. So, yeah. And I, I'll don't, you know, let me, let me echo that because I do think that's important. And I do think we've worked that tone into the presentation of the material that we do. That's intentional and we don't regret that, nor would I change that. I think I have become more increasingly um, frustrated with uh, we're not, we're not having the critical conversations to address some of the power dynamics that like, I, I do, I, I, I do echo what you're saying. I do want to tell, especially young people that hear this, like, okay, hang with us. This is going to take, but that demands that the leaders on the other side of that conversation hear that, consider it, and respond to it. Yeah. And 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 that I feel like is part of my increasing frustration with. Um, I, I don't see that, and they, and that's the and that's that's our that's our call as leaders. That's me. Like we have to lead in that. We have to make those first steps. We have to make those concessions. We have to ask those questions. We have to hear and empathize. Not just listen and at arm's length, but we got to wrestle with what that means and how that ought to change the way we approach what we're doing. And um, yeah, 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 yeah. No, but that's yes, well absolutely a hundred percent. I just that's one of the things I've seen more is the young people smell what I'm cooking. Yeah, they hear it, they want to respond. And then I feel like there's another group that like, oh yeah, that's a cool podcast. I'll work it into my sermon and actually use it to <laughs> justify the very thing that uh, that's that now I just got real specific. So there you go, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, a hundred percent. We, we, we cannot, we cannot weaponize any, any, we can't weaponize any of this stuff and be the kingdom. That's not the Eucharist. That's not the Eucharistic community. Yeah. Like the only testimony we have, like the only thing that Jesus seemed to care about the night he goes to the cross, his last prayer, it just boggles my mind, his last prayer. If there's any historicity to this at all, the last prayer he prays in the garden is a prayer that we would be one. All, mm. Like all of us, all of our crazy zealots and our Essenes and our Herodians and all of these different groups of people would come together in a way that when the world looked at it, they went, I can't believe what, what is that? Well, it's yeah. God. That's what it is. And it's to put it in your escaping the beast language. It's an alternative society. Yeah. Um, and we can't just keep throwing stones back and forth. Uh, so I would 100% echo what you said, even though I gave a caveat. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's well said. I appreciate it. Let, let me ask you a uh, a question here. I'm trying to think how I want to word this and, and maybe put it in two parts is um, what do you do as just a, a, a guy, right? As a guy who feels like you're called to teach God's word and you're answering that call, what do you do with criticism and um, backlash and negativity and and the second part of that would be, why why are you a teacher anyways? Like, you know, James says, hey, we're going to be judged more harshly 
it, it, it's a challenge. You know, you do take pushback. You do take things like that. So what, what do you do with that? How do you process all of that? Yeah, I'll, I'll go backwards. I teach because there's nothing else that I could. I mean, I mean, God could call me to a station where I had, where I wasn't allowed to teach. And I would, I would steward that as, as good as I possibly could. But um, as long as I have the option, there's nothing else that I could do and find any, like that is what God's called and late gifted me. And just all the things that is, I have to, I teach because I have to, Um, it's what I've been made to do. Um, So that's why I do it. And, and I also have this awareness of like, if that's true, if God made me to do this and then put me in a place to do it, then that means he expects me to be one of those people who can steward that James calling, like, beware, like we're, we're called to a higher level of count. Yes. And so I'll, I'll, I will accept that responsibility, hopefully with all the humility in the world and handle this as carefully as I possibly can. Um, how do I deal with the backlash? I don't, there's no way, there's no way I, I know. I, I don't know. It's really difficult. And I listen to all kinds of, um, people that have a whole lot bigger followings than me talk about it. And I know that they struggle with it too. Um, so I don't think there's an easy answer to that. Um, there are some things I try to do. I try not to, I stopped Googling my name a while ago. Um, cause, cause I, because I don't know how long ago you searched what's wrong with Bema, but I think that search probably has changed. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and then and then I I've gotten really used to the delete button or okay. the block button. Because there, listen, there's there's something different when somebody comes to you with an honest question, and then there's there's people that come to you just with um, uh, vitriolic, bitter, and, and they're they're not looking for dialogue; they're looking for they're looking to hurt you. Uh, the intent is to hurt you. Uh, just delete that. Just yeah. delete that. There, there, no, you're not getting a response out of me. Um, so I've tried to get better at some of those things. I've tried to close off and set up certain boundaries about how I deal with things like email. Like there's some real practical things I've done that have helped. Um, at the end of the day, I've had to get really good at forgiveness. Uh, with people I've never met. And quite frankly, I don't want to meet after some of the ways that they interact with me. Hmm. Um, but I have to forgive them. I have to forgive God's people and I have to forgive individuals with names and I have to get really good at, at forgiveness. Um, I have to have a good support group around me. I, I, but honestly, I don't, I don't, it, it's part of what I struggle with the most because I'm a person and I've got all kinds of insecurity and I struggle. Um, I struggle with any critique and it's, it is stupid. I can get a thousand emails that are like, you have changed my life. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I get one email and three months later, I'm still just cooking over that thing. That's the one you'll remember. Yeah. And I don't, and we all know, Michael, we all know how illogical it is, how stupid that is. And yet we are all just fragile human beings. And I go to therapy because I need to mm. <laughs> because I just need to be emotionally healthy because the last thing you need me to be is bitter. That's right. going to be dangerous. If I'm going to be held to not many of us should presume to be teachers, oh, brothers and sisters. <laughs> we know we should be held to a stricter judgment. Holy smokes. I better not have all kinds of wacky insecurity and bitterness coming out of me. So um, 
I got to make sure I'm not overworked, that I'm Sabbathing, that I've got a great healthy life balance. I got a few brothers that know me, um, that I vacation, <laughs> that I go to my therapy, that I uh, have great work culture and environment. Uh, it's really important that I steward my own health. And that none of that, none of that means that those things don't bug me. They do bug me, but luckily I have all this other stuff around me that helped me combat. It's like the weeds. It's the weeds that grow in the garden. I just, they're never going to stop coming. It's never going to stop bother, bothering me. Yeah. Um, but I just got to keep staying at it. Tending, tending the soil. Yeah. I really, I really appreciate what you're saying there. And even I had to come to realization. I'm actually writing about this now in a, a book I'm working on. That'll be out next year. Hopefully is you know you mentioned when people have really come at you or whatever and you got you got to forgive them right and I, i'm really recognizing the difference and i think it's important for me between forgiveness and reconciliation that right uh, you know because sometimes you're like well i gotta forgive them well what if they uh, and i've had people in the past say well what if they don't repent and well you got to forgive them anyways and to say that I do need to release it, I do need to forgive, but there has to be repentance on their part in order to have an actual reconciliation and a coming back together. So I can forgive somebody, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to go hold hands and, you know, get on a boat and spend the day on the boat together if uh, if there hasn't been that repentance on on their part. And so... Yeah. Or if they're not even in that level of relationship, I'm not therefore obligated to go build that level of relationship. Like most of these people that send me half this stuff, they don't know me. I've never yeah. met them. Like I'm not now obligated in the name of forgiveness to go like establish a relationship so that I can tell them like, no, 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 no. They violated a boundary to begin with. So right. I just need to forg forgive that violation yeah, so that I don't harbor any resentment because I didn't know them to begin with. So I, I can't, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. There's a, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there is, there's forgiveness lands on all kinds of levels and it's connected to the kind of relationship and the kind of community and the proximity that you have, but forgiveness, it, just a, a spirit of forgiveness, a posture of forgiveness. And maybe there's a better word. Maybe it's mercy. Um, I, I don't know, but it's all, it's mercy. It's compassion. It's hospitality. It's generosity. It's all these things that Jesus asks us to be encapsulated on all these levels of relationship and yeah and uh so you just yeah and i can remember being that i can remember being that person <laughs> well and I, i've been on a long journey yeah i and i i appreciate where you're at and i would just encourage people whether it's an individual or even a church at times i i always encourage people don't forget Matthew seven twelve to you know doing others as you would have them doing to you. I think I think that's true even of the corporate sort of if it's a church you have an issue with like are you treating the church the way you would want the church to treat you? Are you treating you know if you hear something on Marty Solomon's podcast and it really boils your blood and you don't like it, uh, are you approaching with a grace and humility? Um, with which you would want to be approached. And I think people forget that sometimes. And I think you said a really important word there, boundaries. I have a good friend of mine who is a expert in conflict resolution who's been helping me um, with those boundaries. You know, as more and more people think that they have an access to you that the relationship doesn't necessarily dictate 
or they're entitled to, you know, I have a question and now I'm entitled to your time, Marty. Um, <laughs> oh, baby, is Facebook Messenger a fun place to live? I bet it is, isn't it? And you just can't respond to everything. And, you know, then you have people that, I don't know if you've experienced this, but just you read things that people say about you and I'm like, well, that is new. I did not know that. Um, yeah. You yep. know, like, Oh, Michael Burns taught this and said this. And I'm like, I have never said that. I will. I, th yeah. That's like, so yeah. the opposite of what I would right. ever say, but people right. sort of invoking your name. Um, so that's always fun. But let me, let, what, one more like serious question here is, and, You've talked in one of your videos, you, you do kind of those uh, little informal videos uh, that you put up from time to time, and I've only seen a couple of them, but uh, on, and I don't remember which one it is, it was several months ago, but you talked about a term that is, um, uh, that's been very prevalent in my life, and that is sort of imposter syndrome. And this, you know, feeling like, okay, I'm called to do this by God, so I do it. I I feel like if I did anything else, I'd be like Jonah running away from God's call. Uh, but I kind of wrestle with like, but I'm not a real expert. I'm not a real teacher. I'm not a real, you know, like, man, if people only knew all the stuff I don't know, Um Talk about that for a minute. Is that something you wrestle with? How, what do you do with that? How do you override that? Yeah, I do remember that video. I was going to watch that before we uh, talked today, and I forgot. I can't remember what I said. It was long enough ago. <laughs> um, but I, I do wrestle with that, man, all the time. And I'm getting – it's one of those things that maturity has helped me with. Um, and, and the encouragement of others, like the encouragement of people that – like my one of my greatest insecurities is my lack of degrees, my lack of formal education, my lack of credentialed authority to speak to things. Um, and I've had so many new friends with credentialed authority, like really, really good credentialed authority, say, "No, Marty, like what what you're doing? Here's what's special about it." And th those words have been like, "Okay, so I do have something that I'm." I'm giving to the world. And what that means is I always have to be honest. I have to be honest about what I'm bringing to the table. I also have to remember to be super honest about what I'm not. And that's how I deal the most with imposter syndrome. And because sometimes people want to put you in a category, man. Okay. So now that I'm talking about it, I can remember that video. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can remember what sparked that video is somebody, I either saw a review or somebody sent me a message and they were like, man, I've listened to RVL stuff, Ray Vanderlaan, he's my teacher. And this guy ain't nothing like RVL. And I was just like, man, talk about stinging. Oh my goodness, that stung. But I had to, I came away from that. Luckily I was reading some good things that helped. And I went, no, I'm, I'm not RVL. Um, nor should I put that on like, that they put me in the wrong category. If you put me in RVL's category and expected me to be like him, I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I won't be because that's not the category I belong in. That's mm -hmm. not an accurate assessment of who I am. Um, I'm not as educated as him. I'm not as old as him. I'm not as experienced as him. I'm not as wise as him in some ways, but I am me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had to be okay with the fact like, no, no, there are some things that I'm not nearly as good as RVL at all. There are some things I'm better. Um, 
and it's me. And it helps me go, okay, because in a less mature version of myself, that would have just attacked my ego and I would have tried to defend my ego. And um, there's, a, there's a prayer that I've started saying uh, 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 a long time ago, well, a few years ago, probably a handful of years ago. In my morning uh, routine, uh, I, I engage in the Jewish ritual practice of mikvah. It comes with a prayer. God cleanse my mind and cleanse my heart and cleanse my hands and my feet. And uh, I added an alteration based on something I read from Hudson Taylor. And when I'm, when I'm asking God to cleanse my heart, God cleanse my heart that my desires would be your desires and that I would want the things that you want. I add this line. I, I say, and God, when you're done cleansing my heart, will you please keep and protect my heart? Mm. Because if I try to protect my heart today, I'm going to lash out and hurt other people. But if I can remember that you have my heart, you're, you're going to protect it. You've got it. You've got my back better than I ever will. I'll be able to take that stuff and it will, it will wreck it. You are my shield, God, you are my great reward. So would it, would, would those things bounce off Would those things would like water off my back Would those, because I, and would I not try to protect my heart? Cause if I do, I'm going to lash back. I'm going to, I'm going to repeat Cain and Abel. I'm going to. So, and so that's a posture I've tried to bring is this sense of God's my protector I, I, he is the audience that I care the most about my wife shortly behind. If those people are people that are proud of me, that know me, that know the things that I put together, would everything else find its proper place? And would I remember what I have an accurate assessment that imposter syndrome, I think gets so dangerous because we start to let other people give us an inaccurate assessment. We let the perspectives of others tell us we're, we're something that we're not. And, and I just want to remember who I am. I'm, yeah. I'm only this, but I'm also no less than this. Mm. And that's who I am. And I'm okay being that. And I'm getting better every day by the grace of God. So by the time I'm dead, we'll be in a pretty great place. <laughs> um, but uh, Lord willing, but um, yeah, that's, that's, that's been, that's been a super, that, that, that discipline's like a catch 22. Like it's just kind of, it comes back around maturity helps you do it and doing it helps you mature. And the maturity helps you do it. And I just feel like I'm a healthier, healthier, healthier. Every time a little bit more wiser, a little bit more wiser being able to, and I still make mistakes. I had somebody contact me the other day. We have this online Slack workspace. And I'm so thankful for this person. Um, Cause I was a little frustrated. I was busy. I was short on patience and I kind of passive aggressively typed in a couple comments. And he, he Facebook messaged me. And he said, dude, that hurt. And I think you were kind of out of line. He was right. Um, and luckily, this maturing process put me in a place where I could go, no, you're absolutely right. Let me acknowledge how that hurt you. Let me acknowledge why that's wrong. Let me go delete those comments. And let me thank you for the fact that you said something. Hmm. Because who knows if I would have done it to four more people today or tomorrow. And that that's the kind of healthy development of who we are and our identities and relationship to our egos. And I hope that God continues to do that in me because I am making mistakes all the time, but I hope that I'm getting better and better in the midst of them by the grace of Jesus. So wow. there you go. I rambled quite a bit on that one. No, that's phenomenal. Very helpful. 
Let, let me end here with uh, real quick. What What's next for the podcast? What's coming up? Uh, do you have any other projects? Are you working on a book? Anything, any scoops you can give us here? Oh man, do we got scoops. Um, I don't know when this is going to, when this episode is going to post, but we about, are right about a week from now. About, uh... Ooh. So like right as people listen to this, we are expanding the Bayma teaching team, um, oh, okay. which is just healthy. It's just healthier. Uh, we don't want the Bayma to be the cult of Marty. Right. Um, we're, I'm honestly probably a hundred episodes too late on this, but <laughs> We're adding three new teaching voices. They are also kind of, well, one of them is unbelievably credentialed, but um, they're they're students and connections of mine. They're not big names. They're, but they're they're they're, they're exactly like the Bayma crew ought to be, and um, that's exciting because I, like, we're just going to get better. It's wow. going to be we're going to get better because there's more of us in the room, and I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the upcoming four or five months on the podcast and the things we're going to be, I'm excited about next year's content. So the podcast is going to be awesome. We're also creating some additional resources. Uh, some that I can't tell you about. Uh, I do have a book that's in the works. We're okay. tightening up the contract right now. Uh, as soon as the contract's done, I have a writing retreat scheduled and hopefully end of 2022, beginning of 2023, uh, we'll have a book being published. It's going to be um, hopefully on the idea of, asking better questions of the Bible hmm. and, and just how to ask better hermeneutical questions when you're in Torah, what should we, what should you be looking for when you're in the prophets? How is that different? What about the wisdom literature? What is up with gospel narrative? How is gospel narrative different than Pauline literature and apocalyptic literature? And what about all the other letters that aren't written by Paul? Just like, we're going to have a chapter kind of about all the sections of scripture and just saying, when you're here, this is what's going on. So ask these sets of questions. When you're over here, it's different. So ask this set of questions. And so a little bit of basic poor man's hermeneutics. That sounds fantastic. We'll definitely keep an eye out for that uh, next year, uh, end of 2022-23. You know, I'd love to uh, I'd love to have you back on the podcast sometime, but not as a Bible teacher, because we discovered in talking before the episode that we have kind of a fellow uh, love for uh, Sasquatch and Bigfoot enthusiasts. And uh, it would be fun to have you on and, and just chat about that for a while. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. We could get very squatchy in yes. a conversation. I, I love I, I, my, so my family doesn't have cable television. <laughs> and whenever I go home to the in-laws for holidays, uh, the joke is that I'm just going to sit in front of like eight days of television, just watching Finding Bigfoot. Yes. Every episode, three in the morning, Marty's just, you know, so I'm MIA. Gonna, I'm going to assume you know who Bobo is then. I love Bobo. He's yes. one of my favorites. There you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I knew that I was doing a good job as a husband when on our sabbatical, we were way off kind of back in Yosemite hiking and my wife turned around and said, you know, it's looking pretty squatchy around here. And I was squatchy, like, baby. I have done yeah. my I have done my job. So absolutely. <laughs> Amen. Marty, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I can't thank you enough for uh, your time and your graciousness and sharing uh, your learning with us. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right. Well, we will we'll definitely have to figure out that Sasquatch episode down the road and uh, have you back on as a bonus episode or something. Um, 
it's it's fun, you know, sometimes to to let a different side of yourself out. So, uh, again, thanks for having us, and uh, I really appreciate it. Yep, thank you. Thank you for joining the All Things to All People podcast today, this bonus episode. If you have any feedback or questions or encouragement, please write to me at... I had to think of the title again. Why do I always forget my email when it comes time to doing this? It's allthingstoallpeoplepodcast at gmail. Dot com. There you go. That's all things to all people podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for joining me. And we'll be back on Monday with a, a regular episode, episode number two of season three. We'll see you then.